there is um, there was a lot of people. Well, starting with the work of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, but there was a lot of people in this town who helped us walk this road, and are the reason that we are here tonight. So. I want to start with that because I want you to know that without, those, without the work of the Holy Spirit and without those people walking alongside us, I know we would have never made it. I grew up on a farm on the Rio Grande in, in uh, Laredo. Uh, my parents were very active in our community, very visible. They separated. They were separated all my life. We grew up in two houses um, on a farm, and there was a lady that uh, was... Um, um, most of her families in Mexico who helped raise me. And they just simply couldn't get along. Uh, they both struggled with alcohol. And um, my dad died when I was in college. And my mom died six weeks before our wedding. And I knew God at a really early age because my parents were fighting so much. Uh, I just didn't know about the concept of turning your life over to him. So Willie and I met at work at a law firm. Um, he was an attorney. I was the recruiting coordinator, and we were really good friends for like two years before we went on our first date. And But so to avoid all the drama of being the center of attention, the two people at work dating, we dated in secret for six months before we got engaged. And um, it was just the most exciting and joyful time. And uh, just looking forward to, after we got engaged, just looking forward to living a life that was happily, happy ever after. And uh, you know, it wasn't until we rode off from our wedding that began the most challenging season of our lives so far. Yeah, let me paint a picture because uh, we're going, we're celebrating our anniversary this weekend, 32 years. I, thanks. I had such low expectations of marriage because of what I grew up with. I was terrified of marriage, in fact. I was terrified of repeating my parents' history. And, uh, and so we held it together. Uh, you can imagine we got married at Holland Park Press. The church was full and there was not, because my mother had just died, there was not a dry eye in the house at our wedding. I mean, it was, everybody was crying. And because we tried to keep my mother alive long enough to make it, but she just didn't. And, and so we had our receptions, beautiful wedding, had our reception. And literally, you know, this started the, the worst first year marriage for Gigi that you could ever possibly imagine. And for me, too, but, you know, for her, where you're supposed to be, you know, this is your prince, and he's supposed to be taking care of you, it didn't, it didn't work out that way. We drove off in the limousine from the wedding, and literally, I just started crying and couldn't, couldn't stop. I held it in, and, and I'm sure she thought, is he crying because <laughs> he just married me? And, um, and it was our first year. That started our first year of marriage that was just literally awful for her. I was hurting really bad. And I used work as an escape. I mean, worse than you can ever think. And I was spending most of my time at work. I spent our first Thanksgiving in Mexico City with a client. And I was irritable. And, and I thought that Gigi was the problem and, and when, in fact, it was inside me. She finally sat me down after about a year and said, 
um, I'll never forget this conversation. Marriage is not supposed to be like this. When you're here, when you're never here. But when you are here, you're not here. And something's got to change. And I, I was terrified at that point. And she went off on a weekend with some girls. And I just remember looking up to heaven and said, Lord, I will do anything if you just take this pain away. I was just hurting so bad. And so in the midst of the chaos and all of the conflict that we were experiencing that first year of marriage, I mean, it it was explosive arguments on the regular. Um, But behind closed doors, we were living in isolation. Nobody knew about our problems. We knew how to button it up during the day, go to work, and look all polished and clean. But as we got home that at night, we would have these explosive arguments, and I for the first time, realized my own depravity. Um, And I got to the end of myself because I began to realize how self-reliant I was because I was trying to control things um, for myself. Everything that was out of control. Um, I was self-defensive. I was impatient. I was unkind. And all of my responses were like, pouring gasoline on the fire of his grief. And so I really realized that I, I couldn't control my responses. I was like, I, I want to get along. I want to, you know, do what God's calling me to do, but I just can't. Like, I can't respond in a way that's patient and kind and loving. Um, and so I realized my own depravity and my own need for Jesus' help, really for the first time. And so I felt trapped in this terrible situation of secrecy in our marriage. And I finally called one of my best friends and I told her, hey, I think I've made the worst mistake of my life by getting into this marriage. Um, So finally I realized that The problem was within me as well. I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and the only one who could help me was Jesus. And I realized this because at the time we were having all of this chaos at home. Thankfully, by the grace of God, I was studying the book of Romans in Bible study and learning from Romans 6, 7, and 8 that because of what Christ has done for me, I mean, I was a believer but I wasn't depending on the Lord. But because of what Christ had done for me, I have his spirit living within me. And it's the same spirit that has raised Christ from the dead. And I have that same power that empowers me to overcome my bondage to my flesh. I'm not trapped in bondage to my flesh, but instead, because of his power, I have the power to live in the way that scripture's calling me to live. And so I have the Bible here telling me that because of what Christ has done, I am empowered to live and bear the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and all of the, the fruit of the spirit. But my natural flesh was saying, no way, You can't, you know, there's no way you can be kind and patient when he's doing this and this and this. And so I I was at this crossroads of like, do I really believe what scripture says? 
And am I going to apply that to my life? And so learning that in Scripture, I don't have to do what I feel like doing. I'm not in bondage to my flesh. But Christ can work in and through me and enable me to do what he's calling me to do. And so I came to that point, like, do I believe what God's word says is true? And so for the first time, I really had to make that decision. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow my flesh? And so I decided to trust God's word over my feelings for the first time and decided to do things God's way instead of my way, instead of what came naturally. And so I remember so, so clearly putting my key in the door that night and was like, Lord, okay, I surrender. I'm going to depend on you today because I honestly don't believe what your word says is true. So you're going to have to help me and you're going to have to fill me with your spirit and your love and your joy and your peace and your patience so that I can respond in a way that looks more like Jesus. And I want to do that, but I know that I can't, but Scripture's telling me that I can through you. And so I'm going to try that today, Lord. I was like, I'm going to give you one day. And so as I did, he really did empower me to respond in a way like he was calling me to respond. And so that day, it just helped by his grace and his kindness, he enabled me to respond with grace and kindness to Willie. And that just diffused so much of our communication issues. And I was able then to, um, to, to, to communicate. We were able to communicate a lot better. And it didn't get, it wasn't perfect. But I could definitely feel the, sp- the power of the Spirit at work in our lives and in our relationship. And um, so I, I was learning that what John 15, 5 says is true, that he is the vine and that we're the branches. And as we abide in him, we can bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. So I learned first and foremost that dependence and that surrender to his way and not my way and began very imperfectly to practice living that out on a daily basis. And um, as we did, we were able to communicate better. So while Christ was working on her heart, he was, he was also working on mine. And I started uh, going to, um, to uh, grief, grief support. We went to every grief support group in Dallas. I mean, literally, almost everyone. And then I went to somebody said, you need to go to Al-Anon. Uh, and Al-Anon is a poor group for families of alcoholics, and I've never met such a loving group of people. I was real ashamed. I didn't want to show up there for fear I might see somebody I know, and then I was so ashamed. I had I was just bound in shame, and because I didn't know you could talk about you know struggles with alcohol, and and so then I started going to adult children of alcoholics, and through that process, I came to understand about the power of surrendering my life to Christ. And that I didn't have to do this alone. That there was already somebody that died on the cross for me and that would do it for me. And so there were two turning points in our marriage. Uh, and I, the, it was the first one was obviously the day I just said, God, I'll, just, I'll, I'll turn my life over to you. Just I'll do anything if you'll take this pain away. 
And the second one was the day that I forgave my parents. Um, they died relatively young, and I just said, my God, that, this is so cheap. What just happened? I mean, it's like, you know, it's a whirlwind, and at age 20, my dad dies, and at 28, my mother dies. What just happened? Six weeks before my, my wedding, I was furious. I was mad at God. I was mad at Gigi. I was, I was mad at everybody. And so uh, the reason that grief plays such a big part in our lives is I was stuck. I was stuck. Just think of being stuck in terrible sadness because of that unresolved anger that I kept on playing over and over in my life. So then around that same time, I just want you all to know this because it'll tell you a little bit about what people in Dallas did for me. See, I had two great mentors. And um, and so when we came to Watermark, nobody knew this story. I didn't want to tell anybody because I was so bound up in shame. And so several years passed, and gosh, Christ, it changed our life. But nobody knew about it. So we got to Watermark, and somebody got a little wind of this story, and uh, and they said, we want, to, want you to come tell that story at, at uh, Celebrate Recovery. I think that's what it was called at the time. So I talked to my mentor, who, y'all, I mean, is God's hand on us or what? He was a recovered alcoholic, my mentor at work. And do you know that he and another guy from a law firm called Thompson Knight started Lawyers Helping Lawyers, which was a precursor to Texas Lawyers Assistance Program in Texas. And I, I said, Larry, they want me to come talk at my church about what Gigi and I went through. And I'm not sure, I'm, I'm really ashamed of that. I'm not sure I want to do that. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget this, we were downtown having lunch. And he said, you need to get your mind off yourself and on to helping others. That was one turning point. The other one was another mentor I had. I mean, I just can't tell you how grateful we are for the people that helped us was uh, Vester, another lawyer downtown at another firm, who looked at me at, a, at lunch one time and, and said, do not try to be like me. You have a family. I never had a family. Go home and take care of that family. That was huge. It was freeing. And then the third was probably the most powerful, Todd Wagner who from the pulpit was talking about something on finances, who I felt like, you know, I, I know a lot about finances. I don't need to hear all this stuff. But then he said, he said, towards the end, he said, um, he was making some point about money. And he said, if protecting your public persona is more important to you than bringing hope and compassion to someone else, you're worshiping an idol. I wanted to crawl under the chair at church because I, I thought he's going to say my name next. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gigi. So t today we just continue day by day to choose God's way over our way and walk in that surrender and dependence to him and just knowing that his way is better than what we could, you know, do walking in our own strength and our own self-sufficiency. And as we depend on him, he empowers and enables us to respond to our circumstances in a way that honors him. And so just 
fast forward through um, all the conflict at the beginning of our marriage to infertility, through rebellious teenagers, through just even the day-to-day pride that I still fight and I don't desire to control, I constantly have to be reminding myself God's way is better than my way. And as we do, day by day, he enables us to um, just live a life that um, brings him glory and that is for our good. And so thankfully, like Willie said, we're celebrating 32 years of marriage. Our marriage is better than ever. And we are still learning to respond to one another um, with grace and kindness and forgiveness and patience as we depend on the strength of the Lord and as we surround ourselves with God's people, God's word, and God's spirit, he enables us to um, just be continually sharpened and really enables us to see those blind spots that we wouldn't necessarily see ourselves. I hope this story brings alive for you like it does for me, one of my favorite passages in the Bible about the blind shall see at the touch of Jesus. The blind shall see because that defines me. Because of Christ, I was able to see, you know, that this, these problems were about me and to s- explore them and to wrestle with them and to tell God how I felt. I remember so many times jogging in the morning and just screaming out to God, you know, and, and just with anger. And, but through, in the midst of all this, that's why we're here to celebrate tonight because in the midst of all this, he healed me. And, uh, and when I embraced that, my life started to change. Christ restored my relationship with Gigi. And then along the way, about three years in, he started blessing us with kids. And I don't remember a time in my life where I was ever, ever so happy. Because you, you see, I know my strength. Like Vester said, my strength comes from Christ and my family. And, and my relationship with Gigi and Christ and my kids and my friends, the relationship I have with my kids, I would have never imagined that I would have that kind of relationship. And we've been married, like she said, for 32 years. It's been beyond wonderful. Uh, she's the woman, woman of my dreams. Um, and if someone would have told me that our marriage would have ended up like this, I would have said, you are absolutely crazy. We love doing things together, and um, we take walks every night for 45 minutes, and um, we're just embracing life. Mm -hmm. So, if any of you are in the spot where you feel like you might have made the worst mistake ever, just know there is hope in Christ. And as you surrender to Him, He will enable you to respond in a way that is glorifying to Him, and it's for your good. And you can too, you too can learn that His ways are better than our ways. So, uh, Christ changed my life, and uh, He changed my relationship with my wife and my kids. And along the way, here's the good news, the great news, beyond what we've already said. 
I found something that I had been searching for all my life. And that was a united family. Because you see, I came to understand that there's no sweeter sound for me than a house full of screaming kids. <laughs> and I'm going to experience that again because we just found out that two of our kids are having ki uh, kids. So we're going to be grandparents. And I might be just the most blessed guy in the world. <laughs> Thanks, y'all.